Hello, friends. It's October 18th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast. I am happy to have you with us as I conduct this tour guide through our reading of today's portions from the Old and New Testaments. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and we will be reading from the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament and Paul's letter to Timothy in the New Testament. That is his first letter, as well as Psalm 88, and we will continue reading Proverbs chapter 25. Today's reading in the Old Testament is very significant. In fact, it's monumental. If we were giving a national tour, we would want to be sure to take time to visit the most important national monuments. While in the landscape of the Bible, Jeremiah chapter 31 is a major landmark, as it is here that we have the promise of the new covenant. This announcement anticipates a greater restoration that God has in mind for the future. His covenant promised that he would be Israel and Judah's God and they would be his people would be renewed. But this time, the demands for full allegiance to God would be fulfilled on their behalf through the perfect obedience of a substitute. This would make it possible for God to forgive sin, remembering our sins and iniquities no more, and the law would now be written upon human hearts through the indwelling Holy Spirit. This would mean that everyone in this covenant relationship will have a personal knowledge of the Lord. Jesus of Nazareth inaugurated this covenant and announced that it would be ratified by his blood, that is, his self-giving sacrifice where he provided vicarious atonement for our sins. So let's pray that our eyes and ears would be open to what the Holy Spirit would want to show us as we read Jeremiah chapter 31. We have the privilege of living on the resurrection side of the cross and can see how Jesus authored this covenant on our behalf. We who are Gentiles are grafted into the true vine and become partakers of these new covenant blessings. So here we go, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 27, and we will read through to chapter 32, verse 44. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and the seed of beast. And it shall come to pass that as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring harm, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days they shall no longer say, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Each man who eats sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. The New Covenant. Verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. 
Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, If the heavens above can be measured, and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the city shall be rebuilt for the Lord from the tower of Hananel to the corner gate, and the measuring line shall go out farther, straight to the hill Garab, and shall then turn to Goa. The whole valley of the dead bodies and the ashes and all the fields as far as the brook Kidron, to the corner of the horse gate toward the east, shall be sacred to the Lord. It shall not be plucked up or overthrown any more forever. Chapter 32 Jeremiah Buys a Field During the Siege The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. At that time the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the guard that was in the palace of the king of Judah. For Zedekiah king of Judah had imprisoned him, saying, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall capture it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face, and see him eye to eye. And he shall take Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall remain until I visit him, declares the Lord. Though you fight against the Chaldeans, you shall not succeed. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you and say, Buy my field that is at Anathoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard, in accordance with the word of the Lord, and said to me, Buy my field that is at Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord." And I bought the field at Anathoth from Hananel, my cousin, and weighed out the money to him, seventeen shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. Then I took the sealed deed of purchase, containing the terms and conditions, and the open copy. And I gave the deed of purchase to Barak, the son of Neriah, son of Maseiah in the presence of Hanamel, my cousin, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard. I charged Barak in their presence, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this sealed deed of purchase and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware vessel, that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. Jeremiah prays for understanding. After I had given the deed of purchase to Barak the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, 
Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, great in counsel and mighty indeed, whose eyes are opened to all the ways of the children of man, rewarding each one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. You have shown signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, and to this day in Israel and among all mankind, and have made a name for yourself as at this day. You brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and outstretched arm, and with great terror. And you gave them this land, which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they entered and took possession of it. But they did not obey your voice or walk in your law. They did nothing of all you commanded them to do. Therefore you have made all this disaster come upon them. Behold, the siege mounds have come up to the city to take it, and because of sword and famine and pestilence, the city is given into the hands of the Chaldeans who are fighting against it. What you spoke has come to pass, and behold, you see it. Yet you, O Lord God, have said to me, Buy the field for money and get witnesses, though the city is given into the hands of the Chaldeans. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into the hands of the Chaldeans and into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall capture it. The Chaldeans who are fighting against this city shall come and set this city on fire and burn it, with the houses on whose roofs offerings have been made to Baal and drink offerings have been poured out to other gods to provoke me to anger. For the children of Israel and the children of Judah have done nothing but evil in my sight from their youth. The children of Israel have done nothing but provoke me to anger by the work of their hands, declares the Lord. This city has aroused my anger and wrath from the day it was built to this day, so that I will remove it from my sight, because all the evil of the children of Israel and the children of Judah that they did to provoke me to anger, their kings and their officials, their priests and their prophets, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They have turned to me their back and not their face. And though I have taught them persistently, they have not listened to receive instruction. They set up their abominations in the house that is called by my name to defile it. They built the high places of Baal in the valley of the son of Hinnom to offer up their sons and daughters to Moloch, though I did not command them, nor did it enter into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Now therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city of which you say, it is given into the hand of the king of Babylon by sword, by famine, and by pestilence. Behold, I will gather them from all the countries to which I drove them in my anger and my wrath and in great indignation. I will bring them back to this place, and I will make them dwell in safety. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever, for their own good and the good of their children after them. 
I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them, and I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. For thus says the Lord, Just as I have brought all this great disaster upon this people, so I will bring upon them all the good that I promised them. Fields shall be bought in this land of which you are saying, It is a desolation without man or beast. It is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Fields shall be bought for money, and deeds shall be signed and sealed and witnessed in the land of Benjamin, in the places about Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the Shephelah, in the cities of the Negeb, for I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament, from the book of Jeremiah. The days are coming. We hear this phrase echoing from the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah. First, Isaiah prophesies to Hezekiah about the Babylonian conquest and the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and the confiscation of the sacred items in Isaiah chapter 39, verse 6 and 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 16 and 17. Then, Jeremiah takes up the refrain, prophesying a time of tribulation. The destruction of Jerusalem and the future new covenant are in view. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast. Jeremiah 31, verse 27. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the city will be rebuilt for the Lord, from the tower of Hananel to the corner gate. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 38. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good word which I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 14. Not only is God's chastisement and restoration of His covenant people, Israel and Judah, in view, but also the punishment of Babylon. When we get to this chapter, we can understand better the words given to Jeremiah when he was first commissioned. He would be given the ministry of the word of God, prophesying the plucking up, breaking down, destroying, and overthrowing of the disobedient, with a certain hope that something better would be built and planted. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms, to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 10. It is because of God's everlasting love that God's promise remains steadfast. Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 3 through 4. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 10 and 11, we read, Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare in the coastlands afar off, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and redeemed him from the hand of him who was stronger than he. Notice the details of the new covenant promise. Number one, it is made with the house of Israel and Judah. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 and 32, Jesus inaugurated it in the upper room in Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 and 27, and Luke's gospel chapter 22, verse 20. 
In Jeremiah 31, verse 31 and 32, we read, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. In Luke chapter 22, verse 20, we read, And in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The promise is made to the houses of Israel and Judah, but the Gentiles will be indirect beneficiaries grafted into the true vine. In John 10, verse 16, Jesus said, I have other sheep, that is the Gentiles, which are not of this fold, that is Israel. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Jesus fulfills the demands of the conditional Mosaic covenant on behalf of the penitent and believing Jew and Gentile, those whom the Father gives to him. Those who believe become the beneficiaries of all of its promised blessings, won for them through the obedience to the law's demand for righteousness. He offers his righteousness to the believer as a free gift. This is in accordance with God's unconditional covenant made with Abraham, where believing Gentiles also become indirect beneficiaries, heirs of the promise, receiving the blessing from the promised seed, Christ Jesus. In Genesis 12, verse 3, And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Number two, the law will be put within them, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, and written on their hearts. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. Jeremiah 31, verse 33a. In Romans chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, we read, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. He promises to put his standard of righteousness within us, the indwelling Spirit of Christ. He seals believers with the eternal life of the Holy Spirit. Number three, God will take people to himself who will truly and intuitively know him by the witness of the Spirit of Christ. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 31, verses 33 and verse 34. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans 8, verse 16. Number four, God will offer them total forgiveness. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. The book of Hebrews reminds us that it is in Christ Jesus that something better will be built and planted, his church, a new covenant community. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. The laws of the new covenant are written on the heart rather than on stone. Under the old covenant, the sins of the house of Judah were engraved on their stony hearts, serving them condemnation. 
the sin of Judah is written down with an iron stylus, with a diamond point it is engraved upon the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 1. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 26 and 27. In Jeremiah chapter 32, Jeremiah is being held in stocks as a prisoner in the courtyard of the palace. King Zedekiah and Jerusalem are on the threshold of disaster as the Babylonian army begins to besiege the city walls. Zedekiah gives evidence that he has heard the word of God as he can recite it back to Jeremiah in chapter 32 verses 3 and 5. He hears but does not believe and therefore does not repent. In contrast to King Zedekiah's unbelief, Jeremiah is prompted by the Spirit to take prophetic action and invest in Jerusalem, even though all hope for the future seems to be lost. He purchases real estate in Anathoth and tells his comrade Barak to put the deed in a secured clay pot that will last for a long time. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards will again be bought in this land. Jeremiah 32, verse 15. Jeremiah prays, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27. The Lord makes it clear before he brings the final judgment, the pulling down, rooting down, and destroying and overthrowing, that he is in the right in doing so. He knows their horrible sins, even offering child sacrifices to the god Molech. They built the high places of Baal that are in the valleys of Ben-Hinnom to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I had not commanded them, nor had it entered my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Jeremiah 32, verse 35. The Lord promises that after the destruction and chastisement of the seventy-year captivity, He will build and plant His people anew. Listen to this new covenant promise. They shall be my people, and I will be their God, and I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me always, for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good, and I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. I will rejoice over them to do them good and will faithfully plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. Now let's move on to today's portion from the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. Qualifications for Overseers. 1 Timothy chapter 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, 
with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Qualifications for Deacons Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. The Mystery of Godliness I hoped to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that, if I delay, you shall know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament passage, Paul's first letter to Timothy. The Apostle Paul continues to spell out the appropriate house rules for the New Testament community. Men are encouraged to prayerfully intercede and serve as spiritual leaders in their home, along with their wives, who are submitted to their headship. Women partner appropriately in their service to their families and the church. They serve with their spiritual gifts in many kinds of ministry, yet their official teaching role is in the context of ministry to other women and children. In chapter 3, Paul lists the qualifications needed for elders and deacons. The word overseer, episkopos, is used synonymously with the words for elder, presbyteros, and pastor, poemen. To provide oversight, protection, and shepherding through the Word of God is a noble aspiration, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, and should be discerned as a spirit-wrought calling, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It is not something that should be entered into casually. James, and the writer of Hebrews, reminds us that the elders must give an account to God and will be judged more strictly, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 James chapter 3, verse 1. They have the responsibility to lead, feed, guide, protect, equip, encourage, pray for, and minister to the flock of God as under-shepherds. It is interesting to note that the qualifications for deacons and elders are those that would be fitting for any and every mature Christian. The only difference between the qualifications of the elder and the deacon is that the elder needs to be competent to teach the Word in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 exhorting the local church with sound doctrine and refuting those who contradict that doctrine, Titus chapter 1, verse 9. The word deacon is an English transliteration of the Greek word for servant, diakonos. 
so a deacon is understood as being a recognized servant of the church. The first people we see appointed in this kind of capacity are those who were chosen to assist the apostles in Jerusalem, relieving them of the mounting responsibilities of caring for the needs of the flock. In Acts chapter 6, they were spirit-filled men appointed to minister to the needs of the Grecian widows who were being neglected in the daily administration of food. This responsibility involved wisdom, discernment, and a general competency in providing counsel and care. Although they are not specifically referred to as deacons in this case, we can assume that they were carrying out diaconate responsibilities as recognized servants of the local church. The deacons must share the basic doctrinal convictions of the church leaders and work at promoting unity in chapter 3, verse 9. Potential deacons should be tested before they are asked to be servant leaders in chapter 3, verse 10. Whether the office of deacon is open to men and women is debated, and the wording in the original language is somewhat ambiguous. Phoebe in the original Greek text is called a diaconess, a servant, in Romans chapter 16, verse 1. The adjective semnos, meaning honorable, grave, or dignified, is arbitrarily translated men of dignity in the New American Standard Bible, but it is not tied to either the male or female sex. The same adjective is used to describe women or wives in verse 11. Paul lets Timothy know that he intends to visit him personally, but in the meantime, he encourages Timothy to instruct the church so they will know how to conduct themselves as a New Testament community. But in case I am delayed, Paul says, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. What truth is the church to uphold? The church is to uphold the gospel truth the open secret of who God is and what He has done in the person of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the mystery of godliness made known to mankind. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Now let's move on in our Bible reading tour to the Bible's songbook and prayer book, the book of Psalms, and we will be reading Psalm 88, verses 1 through 18. I cry out day and night before you. Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me, you have made me a horror to them. I am shut in, so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread up my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? 
Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. This concludes our reading from Psalm 88. Some commentators have called Psalm 88 the saddest psalm in the Psalter. It carries the tone of abandonment and forsakenness by God. The sufferings of the psalmist bring to mind the sufferings of Christ on the cross. There is no trace of bitterness or vindictiveness, nor crying out for revenge or anger towards God. Instead, the character of God is kept before his eyes unsullied. Is the psalmist not like Jesus? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we are to be fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In this psalm, the writer remains sure of God's goodness, his grace, and his justice. He references his loving kindness, faithfulness, wonders, and righteous deeds, even while in the throes of deep sorrow and suffering. Psalm 88, verses 10 through 12. And now we'll go to our final stop in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 25, verses 20 through 22. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. We are to weep when our brothers weep and rejoice when they rejoice. Our ministry to others should be well-matched and well-timed as we consider their needs. It may be inappropriate to sing songs to a heavy heart. If we return kindness for evil instead of revenge or violence, the Lord might use our Christ-like behavior to bring convictions to our enemies. Paul quotes this proverb in his letter to the Romans and puts it in this context, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. Now let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the sanctifying ministry of your word. It roots out, breaks down, destroys, and overthrows the rule of our old sin nature and builds us up and establishes us in our true identity and inheritance in Christ. Truly you have given us a hope and a future. Help us keep your loving kindness, faithfulness, and eternal promise in view when we go through dark times. Deepen our trust and solidify our convictions so that we will stand out so as to be a pillar of truth in our locality. 
May our behavior support and not undermine the words that we say. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that was a very filling meal. We had a lot to cover today, and I trust you will want to join us on our journey tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments, you can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like a written copy of our commentary on each day's Bible reading, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Shalom. Shalom.